We look out across from our office and just see the most extraordinary things happen. It, it blows my mind just to sit there and I get distracted far too much. Um, Winston Churchill says that the church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those that are not its members. I've been watching that and, um, and that, that phrase has been going through my head. But it's, it's not completely true, is it? It's amazing. It blows my mind what I've seen. And, and, and Feed and Bridge, the, the care centre exists for, for, you know, not yet its members. Um, but actually, church is so much more than just reaching out. Church is, is about a relationship upwards with the Father, isn't it? That's, that's why we're here. That's what we experienced this morning. And, and that big space out there is, is because it's about relationship with each other. So, so it is amazing that from outside, people spectate, Winston Church and spectates and sees what we do. But there is so much more. And, and yes, we can, we can meet and connect and have relationship with the Father not here. And we can meet and have connect and relationship with other people not here. But there is something so powerful about the gathered church. There is something that is extraordinary. That um, uh, the, the song today was like, we're, we're on holy ground. There, there is something more. And um, I just wanted to remind us of that, that, that we as a church, we do these extraordinary things. But also, it is all about relationship. Always all about relationship, which is, is I guess, what I want to talk about. As I, as I sat there looking out and sort of just wondering, what, what, you know, what else do we do that I don't know about? Um, a, a text came to mind from Matthew 9. Um, I will read it to you. Um, and it says this. It says that um, Jesus was walking through all the towns and the villages and he was teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And the next chapter, the very people that have just been praying, he goes, right, off you go. You're the answer to your own prayers. And so, um, but it, it was funny, as I sat there watching and that text came to mind, uh, I just thought, this is happening here. The, the, the harassed and the helpless are are meeting Jesus' people. It, 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 it's just, I'm genuinely just, you know, quite moved by what, what happens here. The good news is preached, it's sung about, um, and we see healings, 
Um, and then the care centre does these amazing engagements. But as I was pondering on this text a bit more, a line sort of stuck out at me that, that in Jesus' day, people were harassed and they were helpless because they were like sheep without shepherds. And it, and it sort of disturbed me a little. And I was just sort of, what, what, what does that mean? That they had spiritual shepherds in those days. We, we called them Pharisees. We called them Sadducees. They, they sort of, they looked after it. And if this was a children's talk, all the children would go, boo, <laughs> boo. Because sort of indicative in those names was something was going wrong. You see, Pharisees and, and Sadducees, the, the central thing for them was religion, was about it looking right, appearing right on the outside. It was about what you ought to do, what you should do, how you should appear. And, um, you know, attending church would be the, like the, 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 the measure and what you did there. They, they, they vested on the exterior, in the exterior and not on what was going on on the inside. But we know that, that church is about relationship not what is on the exterior. It is about relationship with him and it's about relationship with, with each other. And so I loved Emma's talk last week because it was like, no matter what it costs, no matter what it costs, push into relationship, you know, no matter what. Jesus didn't die just to forgive us. He died to reconcile us to each other, to him. It is about relationship. And the Pharisees were kind of missing that. Being good was enough. And because they were sharing that in their leadership, people were harassed. They were helpless because they were missing the point. You see, God, by his very nature, is relationship. Think Trinity. What is Trinity? But I was trying to, a word to grasp the nature of our God. Our God, by very nature, is three persons in one. He, he is relationship. So that's what God wants with us. That's what we crave. That's why some people feel harassed and helpless, is that they're brought into religion, but not brought into relationship. God wanted relationships so much that he, he stepped out of heaven. When I try and explain it in school, I, I call it, you know, it's called the incarnation, and I try and explain what incarnation is. Well, you've got chili, and you've got chili con carne. Con carne means with, with meat. What did God, almighty creator of the universe, throwing stars into space do? He put on meat. Con carne, incarnation. And I think we forget that sometimes, that Jesus was God walking round. He was so sold out on relationship that he became like us. He stepped into our world. He was born like we were. He was born into a really precarious time where the first three years of his life, that the, the Roman soldiers hunted him down. It was that bad that they ran off to Egypt. He was a refugee. He grew up. He went through puberty for us. 
<laughs> well, you know, I wonder if there was a conversation at that moment, like, do you really want to do this? So, you know, he, he, he fell in love with his friends. He gave his heart to them and then watched some of them die. He, he allowed that to happen. He laughed. He lost. He was betrayed. He was murdered for something he didn't do. For relationship, for us. So the church is so much more than just reaching out, which I love what we do. And, and we are here for relationship with him and relationship with each other. C.S. Lewis um, uh, sort of realised this a bit. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote this amazing book called The Screwtape Letters, where he was trying to sort of help us understand a little bit of, uh, of the, the traps that you can get from being a believer, from being religious. And he tried to expose it. And so he wrote letters. He made up a book full of letters from a greater demon to a lesser demon. This is how you corrupt humans. And so we get an insight into what C.S. Lewis was doing in a very comical way. If you haven't read it, amazing book. And, um, and this greater demon writes to a lesser demon and says, um, a moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all. And it's far more amusing. Sinister. What, what he's saying is, um, actually, a, a half-assed, half of what it is to be a Christian without all of it is a joke. Just looking good, just doing the right thing, just attending without relationship with Jesus is a joke. Christianity without Christ is a joke. So he, he sort of got it. And, and what were these Pharisees pushing, in a way? They were pushing that. And so, so Jesus tries to, to, to fix it, and he does a couple of things. First of all, for the harassed and helpless, he, he gets the disciples to pray. Then he says, you, you know, you are the answers to your own prayers. Go off and be shepherds. And then in my mind's eye, he turns round to the Pharisees and he says, back to school. I often f thought that Jesus gave up on the Pharisees and just called them names. Actually, he's trying to teach them. He's trying to educate them. He, he's trying to, to, to knock out the Pharisee within them. And I think he does that because I think we all can be a bit of a Pharisee sometimes. And he loves us and he's trying to knock it out of it. Do you know, um, I, uh, during lockdown, one of the things that I discovered I did sometimes is if I managed to watch the service on time live, I would type things. The, um, the pious one of me would say that um, I typed things because I was part of the family relationship here. I wonder if really the Pharisee in me was just checking in. I'm doing church, everyone. Tick. As I prepared for this talk, God spoke to me a little bit about the Pharisee in me, the bit of me that just wants to look good, and that is so much easier than pursuing relationship like Christ pursued relationship with me. And I thought, you know, if God's talking to me, I might share it with all of you. If I'm going to get told off, then uh, why don't we all have a little bit? So, so let's look at what he does to re-educate 
These people that sometimes are more interested in how it appears than knowing God. Let's zoom into one of the stories he does to re-educate them. And I hadn't realised this, but this story is about, or these stories about re-educating people that are far more into what it looks like. So if you want to turn to Luke 15... We have these three stories. They're like a, um, in an art gallery, a triptych. There is the, the, the lost coin, there is the, 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 the lost sheep, and then there is the lost son. In a, in a gallery, you'd have the two side ones make sense of the middle one. And um, if you look, the story starts off. I'll read, I'll read the first line, um, if I can find it. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. So where do we find our Jesus that that was so after relationship he comes down to earth? He's hanging out with the sinners. Now, sin is... um, Alpha says that, that sin pollutes us, it creates a partition between us and God, and sin is powerful. Sin is powerful because it's addictive. One thing leads to the other to lead to the other. So, so, so sin sort of, it, it also corrupts us, it pollutes us, it destroys our relationships, it, it, it skews our thinking, but it also is a partition. It separates us from God. So where does Jesus go? He goes where the partitions are, where the broken relationships are. And he steps right into the middle of them and says, you're you're missing this. You're missing this. I'm sure he preached to them, but he went for dinner with them as well. God is after relationship. He wants relationship. And our sin does not keep him away. In fact, when we have broken relationship with him, it's like a magnet trying to call him to us. Yes, he can't be near us in our sin, but he wants to get it removed. He wants it out of the way. And so he's, he's, he's drawn to people, that you know, these sinners. He's hardwired for it. And um, this story we're looking at isn't actually for the people that know they're sinners. It's not for the ones that go, I've done it again. He actually tells it for the Pharisees that are watching on. Really interesting. So let's look at the lost coin. It says this. When Jesus told, then Jesus told them, the Pharisees, the story, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, action hero style, and goes home. And then he calls all his friends and his neighbours and together and rejoices with them. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. What do we see? What do, what, what do we get? When I tell this story in school, kids are like, well, that's stupid, isn't it? It's a bad investment. Leave 99 for the wolves and go after the one. I wonder if Pharisees thought the same thing. But the reality is this one sheep has a name. This one sheep has a story. 
This one sheep I want relationship with. Yes, it's wandered off, but there is nothing it's done that will keep me away. There is nothing it can say, do, or want that will not let Jesus in his pursuit of us stop. Jesus is after the one who wanders off. And the Pharisees didn't get that. They didn't understand that. They didn't comprehend it. And um, uh, it's, just, it's just really, really interesting that we sometimes just think that actually Jesus likes us when we're good. But actually, when we, when we mess up, he, he, he does everything he can to deal with the power of sin. He does everything to do with its pollution in our life. And he is determined to take the separation away. And sometimes when I sit in church and I feel far from God and I watch other people worshipping, I feel a little lost. I feel like the lost sheep, but I'm too proud. And I slide into the other crowd of Pharisees watching. He tells another story. The parable of the lost coin. Or suppose, so he's making a different point. Or suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a light, sweep the room and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, doesn't she call her friends and her neighbours together and say, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is more rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When I tell this story in school, I say, what, what, do, you, what do you learn about God? He's forgetful and clumsy. <laughs> Job done. Jesus tells stories to make a point. The coin was lost by someone else. The coin didn't wander off like the sheep. The coin is different. Someone else did this to the sheep. The coin is lost because of someone else's actions. And sometimes we can feel far and lost because of what someone else is doing or what they've done. And Jesus wants people to know when you feel lost and it's not your fault, I search for you. How does he search for the lost coin? He, lost sheep, he's an action hero who is reckless, irresponsible in the way he comes after you. How does he search for the lost coin? He is frantic. It's re- really, really interesting. The... Um, the, the, the 10 coins it's talking about often is what you would get as a wedding gift. Some would say that the 10 coins form the headdress that you wear sometimes. Your engagement headdress. She has lost her engagement ring. How did she look? How did she search? Sometimes when things happen to us, God searches for you. He is frantically trying to get relationship with you again, like a lady who has lost her engagement ring. I once was teaching this in a class, and um, the class were not responding, and I was feeling frustrated. And I wanted to show them how hard God searches. And so I started to move chairs around, looking for the, for the, for the lost ring for us. 
and, um, and I got a bit carried away and I started dragging chairs out of the room into the corridor and then I got stuck trying to drag a table out. <laughs> and um, at that moment, the head teacher walked by and he was bringing guests round the school. <laughs> this is our RE department. This is um, Chris, our Christian youth worker. And then he walked off. <laughs> I never know if they went to the school. Um, they could, he let me back in. Uh, it's, but do you get it? Do you, do you get the story? This story has some common themes. There is being lost. <coughs> there is being found. And there is rejoicing. And he's talking to Pharisees. When someone tells you, when, someone, when you talk about loss, there is the child that is in Sainsbury's. The mum has got the bits and is moving on to the next bit. And there is the child that is looking at the chocolate and doesn't realise that mum or dad has wandered off. And then looks round and cannot see them and cries at the top of their voice, I am lost, where's my mummy? And it is heartfelt and it rips you apart. Sometimes being lost causes that reaction in us. But there's another response as well. You're driving. You're driving. And sorry, this, this is maybe sexist. I apologise. It is for a point. The man is driving. The wife is map reading. The man turns, the wife looks at him. It was that way. No, 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 this is a shortcut. The man continues on the shortcut, eventually going into a cul-de-sac. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, we might buy a house here one day. I just thought I'd look round. <laughs> where, where do we need to go? Are you lost? I am not lost. Howdy. I am not lost. And Jesus wraps in this beautiful two stories a very offensive message. Some of us are lost and we know it. And some of us are like, well, I'm a Christian, I'm not lost, I'm found. Maybe you, like me, get lost daily when we think we know the answer and wander off. Some of us hate the idea of being told we're lost. And, and, and we, we put this barrier up, I'm not, I'm not lost. I sign in and say I go to church. And, um, and I, I wanted us to ponder through this because actually it's all about relationship. And when we are found, there's a party. Notice the relationship nature of it. There is a party. It's, it's not about penalty for sins. It's not about getting all, everything sorted out. There is a party. When the sun comes home in the next story, which we haven't got time to talk about, there is a party. The sun that was lost is now found. And maybe we need to acknowledge we get lost just a little bit more than we do. I am... Um, I've realised in me there are two sides 
One is slightly more effective in, in my, my job in sharing faith. Um, and one isn't. And it always relates to how I see myself. I am... Um, I once did a lesson looking at sexual ethics, and, um, and the school wanted me to tell, tell them, what do Christians feel, think about relationships and sexual ethics? And for an hour, I took from Genesis all the way through. We did Paul, and then we did Jesus at the end. And, um, and I could see the burden I put on these poor sixth formers as I talked more and more about Christian sexual ethics, which is what the school asked me to do. And when I got to Jesus, they began to sit up a little. And they sat up straight. And then this one lad, he bashed his hand on the table and he sort of almost cleared the table. And he went, if Christianity was about Jesus, I'm in. And I was like, but, but, but it is. That's not what I told him. And it's not what people wanted to hear. They wanted to hear what Christians think about sexual ethics. And I told them. But actually, if I just told them about Jesus, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do as I say. Show them Jesus first. Then they'll do as he says. Right relationship leads to right living. Get the relationship right first. When I'm in a better place, when I realise I'm lost... When, I, when I, I'm not hiding from God the things I've done, those kind of lessons go very different. I, I was once doing a, a, an assembly for a whole bunch of sex formers, and, um, and this kid put his hand up after I've done my best, and he said, are you trying to convert us? <laughs> and I looked over at the teacher thinking, oh, I like this school. We're never coming back. <laughs> and I just remembered my lostness, and, I, and I'd been reading a book the night before by a guy called J. John, and, and J. John said, evangelism is one beggar leading another beggar to food. And I stole it at that moment. It was the only way out. And I went, all I can say is, I, I, found, I found food, and I feel like a beggar in life. I mess up, I make mistakes. And, and my faith, Jesus, feeds me. I am like one beggar leading another beggar to food. As I left the school, he ran into the car park, got into the passenger seat and said, I'm hungry, will you feed me? And... Uh, that the place of being lost and admitting lost and admitting we haven't got it all and, and stopping pretending, it is like a magnet to God to come to us. That's where we find Jesus hanging out with the sinners. But also it's a magnet to everyone else. Let's not let our religiosity keep people away. Let's, let's pursue him. Now, we haven't got time, but if you, you're feeling lost and you're like, what, what do I do with this? The prodigal son is showing us how to respond, so read it. How does the son respond? That's what, God, what's what breaks God's heart, and he comes running like the shepherd looking for his lost son, irresponsibly, recklessly looking, and it makes him come to us just like a woman who has lost her engagement ring. That shows our Jesus. So, God, 
God, Jesus, is into relationship upwards and outwards. And us pretending, holding up facades, all it achieves is keeping it further away. And I want to say there is so much more than any of us have ever experienced of God. We can never plummet the depths. Don't let looking good keep him far away.